Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I don't know if you just heard that. My va- I, I dropped this. I, I, I'm, I've stopped smoking cigarettes. And in, in an attempt to stay with the non-smoking cigarettes, I got a vape. So I have one of these vape pens. And uh, I, I dropped it the other day. It smashed on a concrete floor. It's all bent up. The button is stuck. I don't know if you just heard it. The, the trigger just started <laughs> firing out of nowhere i don't even know why i'm holding this but we have a real cool guest on the phone today we've been playing a lot of facebook tag back and forth messenger tag that seems to be the thing i'm i've been doing a lot lately and uh, we're gonna have a real cool conversation while we're all in lockdown it feels a little strange though because we were doing a whole bunch of episodes like we were going crazy gangbusters and then i don't know what happened but maybe that wasn't a massive slowdown it just feels like it i don't know why it's because time is so weird right now like it's I was, imaginary. well yeah i mean i was speaking to someone on the phone to today and I said well we've been what we've been locked down for two months and she said no it's been more than two months I said it's only May 13th I mean most of us only stopped working mid-March it's been two months but time is so bizarre right now I have no idea most days what day it is what time it is and what I'm doing tomorrow Thursday no it isn't but nice try (laughs) hey everyone it's Amanda we're talking to Daniel on the phone today who's a licensed massage therapist in North Carolina and you know how we love chatting with our friends in the states especially business coaches, which is somewhat of a direction that uh, Daniel's going into, but I'll let him get into that. Daniel had to make a plan like a lot of us are doing right now once uh, COVID became our new reality. And he's here to talk about some of the new directions that he's taken while he can't actually physically have his hands on people and do the work that he's been doing. And uh, we just thought it'd be another interesting perspective to see what therapists are doing when we can't use our hands and do what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, because I feel like a whole bunch of therapists are like, they're lost right now. They don't know what to do. So they spend a lot of time on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Well, Daniel, thanks for talking to us on the phone this afternoon. How you doing? Hey, thank you guys. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, all, all things considered. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Can you, for our listeners, give a brief introduction about yourself, how long you've been a therapist, what type of practice you have, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, I had like a... Um my my entry into body work um, started with like my own physical condition. I actually had um, I don't know if I would call it a rare thing, but I have a, a little known sort of like benign bone tumor problem uh, called an osteochondroma that was embedded in my left armpit for my entire life. And um, so I grew up with this extra piece of bone in my body. And around the time I was 19, started realizing I might want to get this thing cut out and and move forward with my life. So I don't have to be worried about feeling like, you know, weird body insecurity and all that stuff. So I had that surgery. And when I had that piece of my body removed, uh, I noticed how like my entire body now had this space out of nowhere. And realizing that things were not in the proper alignment there was a lot of tightness okay okay, okay. Yeah, 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 we're gonna we're gonna have to whoa. we're gonna have to I slow to you know. down here we need to we need to visualize this a little bit but more what part of your body are we talking about uh it is it, it was in my uh it was the it's where the growth plate um in my left arm like inside my armpit didn't fuse properly um, so it basically just ballooned out like a cauliflower of just like bone mass. So was it visible or was it just something that you could feel? Would other people have known it was there? Yeah, if I lifted my arm above my head, um, you know, like there'd just be like a huge extra bump like coming out the side. And it wasn't like super visible. I could kind of hide it under my clothes and stuff. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like bone sticking out of my skin. It was all underneath the subcutaneous tissues and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I had like an like you know, I would say in between a golf ball and a tennis ball sized like lump on the side of my arm. Was there any pain associated with it or was it just annoying to you? Um, Well, they had said it was cosmetic. And as a kid, you know, I like really avoided the hospital setting and didn't want to go get surgery and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I had discomfort, lack of mobility. You know, I couldn't use the full range of motion of, um, let's see, what what would that be? Uh, you know, just ro- rotating the shoulder joint. I couldn't completely 
man, my anatomy terminology is not super great <laughs> right now, but I couldn't, I don't, didn't have the full range of motion in my shoulder. And then mostly it was like psychological, emotional stuff of like, oh man, I'm like freaking nature. I got this extra thing. I don't want to take my shirt off in front of girls, you know, all that stuff. All right. So we kind of cut you off there because we just wanted to kind of get an idea of what yeah, was sorry. going on with your body. So then, as usual. so then you had this removed and Instead mm-hmm. of feeling this sense of relief and yes, now this is the my body, it was like you had this space and things felt strange, I guess, because you had been used to there being that that extra bone there. Totally. Because like you imagine like like you can get a visual or, or a, like a physical sense of this, like ball up one of your fists and just go stick it underneath your armpit and try to close your arm and move it around and stuff. And imagine sleeping on it all the time and like, you know, going about your day, just having that fist stuck up in your armpit like that. Um, so while there was definitely relief associated with it, um, you know, it, it definitely affected the development of that arm. And even still, I've got a lot of like really, really deep, like scar tissue and stuff around things. Um, you know, my triceps on my, my left arm are really hard to get some development in there. You know, if I work out and try to develop those triceps, there's, you know, some difficulty there just because I think those muscles probably didn't get utilized as much you know, growing up to develop in the, the right way. So it's a little bit of a challenge for me still to, you know, maintain balance and strengthen it. So I'm out of pain. I do still have some stuff in the acromioclavicular joint on that side that bothers me and, and some other things that I've, you know, unfortunately that happened and it's not going to go away, but I do the best that I can. Um, so there was definitely relief from it. Um, but on the other side of that was this whole like, oh my God, like there's, there's a piece of me that's missing in this space that I, I didn't have that um, that sensation or awareness of that even being possible. So it kind of got me into like, you know, all of the mind-body practices. I never really was big on yoga, but I would do a lot of like Tai Chi-esque kind of just like somatic self-inquiry kind of stuff to just figure out like, okay, like what's stuck, what needs to move. And, and all that eventually, you know, motivated me towards the health food world um, towards body work, towards meditation, uh, all these different practices. Cause that was my experience. I had like this big, all of a sudden change in my, like, I guess my proprioception, my sense of myself. And so it was, I, I think honestly, it's, it's a pretty cool experience to have come through the other side of it and has gotten me into like why I love doing body work and everything. So. All right. So then from there, massage, I mean, you said this is why you got into body work. Was there a specific mm-hmm. reason you chose massage therapy over any other type of manual therapy or any other type of body work career? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say that I, I, um, I dove headfirst into the woo-woo side of things. And uh, I was living in Salem, Massachusetts uh, at the time, which is where all the witch trials and stuff happened. Mm-hmm. So I'd be working in the organic restaurants there and I'd have, you know, Reiki masters and tarot readers and yogis and all sorts of like, you know, new agey kind of people coming in and getting smoothies from me. And I took some classes here and there. Um, and basically when I was in that phase of my life, I just started looking for everything, right? So if it was anything that had any vague sense of like healing or self-improvement or anything like that, and um, I had stumbled upon uh, are you guys familiar? I don't know if y'all use it too much up there, but there's a website called meetup, meetup.com, where people will host like things to do in the community. Yep, I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. So on meetup one day, I'm scrolling through meetup because that's where, you know, you can go and do these meditations or yoga nidra classes or whatever. I used meetup a lot back then and I had saw somebody's name catch my eye. And um, it was this really amazing uh, body worker. And I didn't know him at the time, but I've come to like really cherish him as a mentor. Um, his name's Larch Hansen, and um, he's an old rolfer that studied with Tom Myers back in the 70s. Um, and he's not really super well known in the bodywork world because he doesn't really do it professionally anymore. It's just kind of this thing that's enveloped into his skill set. Um, but what he is most known for um, in Maine is he's a like sustainable seaweed harvester for, you know, food and nutraceutical companies. So he's this really super awesome dude. He's in his late, uh, mid late seventies. He, you know, builds boats, goes out on the water, teaches people how to do the seaweed and the sustainable lifestyle thing with the gardens and greenhouses. And he does body work. And I had a friend who had went out to stay with him and I just recognized his name. So I was closing the restaurant up one night and 
it was like uh, a weekend workshop to learn structural body work uh, with a free, you know, the Friday night workshop was free and the rest of the weekend you had to pay for. So I decided I was going to go to the free part and go down and check this guy out. And I had heard about him already before. And I was really just super excited to have an opportunity as an amateur to like dip my toes more into the bodywork world. And um, that started my relationship with Larch, which over the next course of, you know, maybe a year and a half to two years, I basically got so, everything I saw, everything I heard, his presence, his teaching, the demos he was doing, he did some really amazing work. Um, I, 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 as an amateur, I saw my first client have an emotional release on the table and that's how powerful he was. Like, in this group setting, the first time ever meeting him, he had this woman had such a powerful experience on his table. And uh, so over the next, you know, years, I basically followed him around the country and was like, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like puppy dog level. Of, you know, I, I hadn't the space in my life at that time to go back to school and become a professional. And here was this really amazing, like, mentor figure in my life who was willing to you know, if I kept hounding him, he would give me opportunities to come while he traveled in the off season and, and witness and receive some body work, you know, go to some of his trainings and stuff. And so that really gave me like a way into this whole entire world of body work. And that's when I kind of, you know, dropped out. I still, you know, I still um, am interested in Reiki and various terms of energy therapy and stuff, which I know not everybody's into that. Um, but working with Larch really gave me a very deeply like grounded structural because I don't know if you guys, you know, do much rolfing or experience a lot of it, but it's very technical specific work. And so that started to get me kind of like down out of the clouds into, you know, here's some really amazing transformational stuff. Um, and he worked on that same shoulder where I had the injury and, you know, I, he, he helped me breathe into that part of my body for the first time. And I literally felt like, uh, it was like the image of like the Grinch when his heart grows two sizes and he breaks <laughs> out of his cage or whatever. And I had this <gasps> like breathing in moment and it was like very emotional and beautiful and I was crying, et cetera, et cetera. So like he busted me out of my old like protection mechanisms around that injury and that tumor stuff. And so, I mean, from there on, I was like, I need to know how to do this. This is going to be my career. I didn't know when, I didn't know where, but I was like, body work, body work, body work, body work, body work. All right. So, I mean, obviously every story is a little bit different, but it sounds to me like you went through an experience like a lot of therapists that I've talked to did where you didn't really know much about body work and much about the technical stuff until you had to. And then once you experience it for yourself, it's like, well, shit, I need to learn how to do this so I can help other people. So is the woo-woo out of the mix for you completely then now? I, I it's not out of like the mix completely, but, but I, I kind of see myself like um, like bridging the gap because, you know, I've had powerful experiences with that stuff too. I recognize that like, you know, there's like a Venn diagram uh, and people in the middle is kind of where I want to reach because obviously like I do really, I do chronic injury work now. It's kind of like, what mostly I do. Um, and I want to be able to speak to those people without, you know, going too far, but I do also have like a big part of my practice. That's very spiritual for me. And it's mostly about holding space for people's process, more working with the nervous system. You know, it, it's not gone. Um, but it's something that I've chosen professionally to be like, okay, if you have an experience along that route, we can talk about it afterwards, but I never really like lead with it because I've seen it bounce a lot of people off and I'd rather have it happen by surprise in a way that's really, you know, unique to that person than be like, yeah, we're going to do Reiki. We're going to do this kind of energy work. Um, I'm still fascinated by it. I still love it. Um, but I've kind of just like, it's just like a quiet thing in the background. If somebody notices a lot of times people will tell me my hands will change temperature a lot or heat up really. Uh, and you know, that, that could be many reasons for that, but, um, yeah, it's not out of the picture, but I choose like, you know, if it comes into focus on its own, then sure. We'll talk about it. But I, I choose like not to focus on it a lot. So I don't know if you had actually mentioned how long have you been practicing as a licensed massage therapist? Yeah. So I came down to Asheville to get my license in 2015. I graduated okay. in 2016. So I actually haven't been a professional for very long. And um, that's kind of why I lead with the part of the story of, you know, there was a good year and a half, two years before my professional journey where I was working over the course of every couple months 
I would have an opportunity to go visit Larch. We'd do some work and I just practiced on friends and family for, you know, any opportunity I could get for a couple of years. So I kind of came out the gate uh, with a little bit more of a head start than most fresh therapists right out of school. Mm-hmm. You, I think you had mentioned to me off mic that you you were running your own clinic. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's like my claim to fame is like I went straight out of school and started my private practice. I was in private practice for a few months. And then my partner and I, you know, took the jump into getting our own office together and I guess you could say that that was still private practice, but from the beginning, I had this vision of like what I wanted to create in terms of a group practice. And so we ran right out the gate from the beginning, you know, uh, our business name, you know, we, we were looking to try to create some sort of cooperative or collective. So we were the Appalachia Guild of Healing Arts. Uh, and in the beginning, it was actually kind of comical because it was just the two of us in one office. But we started with that foundation and over the course of three and a half years, grew it up to where we had, you know, uh, just before COVID happened, we had four treatment rooms, um, staff of 14, uh, 12 therapists and two reception. um, And we did a lot of uh, couples massage, um, alternative treatments. My partner and I also do craniosacral therapy. Um, We had some people who did sound therapy or different sorts of myofascial work. So we kind of were trying to bring this collective of different therapists so that we could show the clients, look at the wide world of all these different things. And, you know, each person does things a little bit differently and go check it out and see what it's about. And um, we offered all of those different things to people. I don't think that was a, a comical move. I think that was a good move. Incredibly. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, okay, you're a, you're a certain size organization now, but think into the future. Where do you want to be? And then you'll grow into that. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that from the beginning already creates that entrepreneurial mindset that allows for growth. I think that's awesome, actually. And that wasn't a conscious thing that happened. Do you teach this now? Because I know you're involved in like a, a lot of coaching and mentoring and stuff now. Do you teach that kind of stuff? Like a, entrepreneurial mindset maybe we should back this up then and give us an idea about some of the stuff that you're doing now outside of practicing since we really can't get our hands on people anyway and uh, a little bit of the pivoting that you've done to to develop a, a new a new leg of the career here why don't you give us a background on that yeah so i mean you know i think the covid situation it, it it's like i want to like i hope history remembers it as like i saw this facebook post it was like it was we'll remember this as the great pause where we just stopped for a minute and like reprioritized what the heck are we doing with our lives right you know i mean we this was this was about to be our best year this was about to be the first year where my partner and i wouldn't have to put 100 percent of our earnings back in to keep things going we were going to actually make some money this year and so we kind of had this you know, I don't want to say a house of cards because we still are maintaining everything here, but we had so much built up onto this that was suddenly all of a sudden gone, you know, and when we're in a tourist economy. So here in Asheville, we do a lot of discounts and a lot of specials through the winter, which carries us until around April, May, this time when the tourism picks back up and we do better. Um, so I find myself, you know, going through the cycles like we all were of being super, weirded out about what's going on, depressed, angry, excited. Honestly, there was also many days during this where I was like, thank God I don't have to do body work today because I don't think I could handle holding space for anybody right now. So like there were parts of it that were like joyous, like that were great to have this like time, you know, even if there was fear and uncertainty around money. And I think after about like two and a half or three weeks, it started to be like, okay, I can't just keep, you know, being in this like weird phase of like not knowing what tomorrow is going to be. What the heck do I have to offer people and what can I do? Because otherwise, you know, I'm going to end up going to the grocery store and getting a job, which I've had too much freedom as an entrepreneur at this point. I've, I can't go back. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no going back. I'm taking inventory in, in myself of like, what, what can I give and offer to people? And a big thing that I've been like in my own life and also trying to share with people is like, how do we rediscover what our value is? Because I've been the guy in my family and friends that ever since we did this, I'm always like, oh, hey, I wonder if you could start a business out of that idea. And I wonder if it's like getting annoying or too much. But now that I've seen how you can start from nothing and I mean, our our massage studio, I was living in my van in my girlfriend's driveway. when we started so that I could put all my money, which wasn't much into our little studio. 
And I was like cleaning Airbnbs and stuff and just really trying to figure out how I could get that freedom from, a, you know, working for $10 an hour in a coffee shop or whatever. And so my life has been like, okay, wow, this is possible. Start from nothing, go forward. And um, I really, you know, think there are a lot of people who've got great value in the world who are feeling stuck like in those jobs, working at the grocery store or the coffee shop, and they haven't figured out exactly how to like package them, what they do that they're good at in a way that people will find value enough to like support them financially. So I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I've learned a lot. I I jumped in headfirst into all this. I'm not a business person. I have a little bit of background in corporate organic food. I worked for Whole Foods for a number of years out of college while I was going through this journey of learning about body work and getting interested. I did a lot of organic food restaurants in the Massachusetts area. So like the most business skill that I had, I was a juice bar supervisor and a coffee buyer for Whole Foods for a while. And then I started managing organic restaurants and that kind of got into more, you know, you have your daily sales numbers and financials and all that stuff, which I'm still no, by no means a financial expert. But what I started to kind of really get was the whole like marketing side of things and so, yeah, I'm sitting here and wondering what, what can I offer to people? Well, I've learned a lot about business. I've learned a lot about how to start from scratch. And I've been telling everybody I could get my hands on that, like, we can all do this. So maybe I should take a crack at actually, like, putting that out in front of the public and coming up with a value for my time. And, um, you know, I've been doing that for about six weeks now, and it's, like, taken off like crazy. And I've got all these opportunities. That's why I'm talking to you. Um so, yeah, I mean, like the entrepreneurial mindset, I'm really trying to get people to put the pieces together that a lot of um, massage therapists and people in general are just confused about. Um, and then they end up kind of not being able to make progress and make it happen. So they either get sick of it and go back to work for somebody else or they, you know, they figure out something else. So so what is exactly if you're working with RMT or LMTs, I guess right now, if you're working with massage therapists, are you coaching them about going back to work or are you helping them to discover maybe a plan B or a new direction? What what are people getting from you? You said you've, you've figured out a way to find something that you can offer to the world. So what are you offering to the world in the simplest way that you can explain it? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing that I'm, I'm focusing on right now is like how to use the social media marketing to actually build a practice. And there's like digital sales funnels and these various ways of automating these processes to work together. You know, email marketing is a part of it. Having a website that functions is a part of it. Um, But really it's been kind of guiding beyond that, like beyond that specific focus, which is like totally packaged as a product and like ready to go for people. um, A lot of the work that I've been doing is I'm attracting a lot of therapists who don't really want to work for somebody else anymore. And they don't even really have an idea of where to start or they have ideas about where to start, but they don't have like a solid plan together for moving forward through it. And, um, you know, my own experience was we jumped in head first in this and I tried everything, you know, I almost drive my, drove myself crazy and burned myself out, you know, figuring out how exactly to get clients in the door. And so that's really, that's really the most of the focus is like the marketing and the branding side of it and how you actually get massage clients. Mm-hmm. So what were you doing that you found did not work? That way, maybe some someone listening can get a usable tool to say like, oh man, maybe this isn't going to work for me or I've been doing this too and I've been I've been holding out for it to work and it hasn't. Give us an idea of some of the stuff that didn't work for you at the beginning. So I mean, the common things that people think of when they think about, okay, I'm a small business or I'm a self-employed person. It's like, I got to have a business card. I'm going to hang flyers up. I'm going to go to networking meetings. Maybe I'll join the Chamber of Commerce and I'll go set my massage chair up at the coffee shop, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Very traditional marketing tools that most massage therapists tend to do, at least right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like, you know, if you don't if you don't have a background in business or anything like that, that's the most common sense thing you can think of. Or, yeah. you know, what most people say is referrals and word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know, um, which that's kind of leaving things up to, you know, it's 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 leaving things up to um, to chance in a way, unless you have a really good motivating factor for people to refer you business. And all of those things can and do work depending on where you're at. 
Asheville is not like that. Even though massage therapists typically get patients and clients via word of mouth, like you said, I think it's a bad idea just to kind of leave it up in the air and hope that works. There should be some sort of strategy behind it, even something that seems as informal as word of mouth. And it feels like mm, there, there doesn't need to be a strategy behind it, but there should be a strategy behind it. That's the only way that that type of marketing tool actually will, will execute the way you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so I don't know if you guys know much about Asheville, but just to give you a picture, it's like, you know, the the hippie Mecca, like there's so many uh, in North Carolina, like I, I don't remember the statistic exactly, but the lion's share of the entire massage therapy profession in the state lives here. Like if you were to look at all the cities in North Carolina, Asheville way over represents how many massage therapists here. And there was a joke that somebody told me a while ago. I haven't heard anyone repeat it, except I'll repeat it. But it's like, you can't throw a massage therapist without hitting a yoga teacher around here. And then I want to expand that to say, it's like bowling. You throw the massage therapist into the yoga teacher and they knock down all the acupuncturists. And, you know, it's like, we've got, we, we are a, a, a tourist economy place where people come into the mountains to relax and get away from things. And it's always attracted, you know, healing type people who offer that kind of service to the world. So, you know, there are a few struggles with that in our specific city. I've since talked to some other therapists who like they live in a small town and they're just like dominating their market by like simple little things. That, you know, like, yeah, put a contest up on Facebook that, you know, sometimes work, you know, for us, we did that, but it was part of a larger strategy. I wouldn't be able to rely solely on that. So now that I'm getting more of a sense of like where people practice other places in, in the country and in the state and in the world, you know, like you said, it's like if we have one method, like to just like put that one method out there and think it's all going to come together. It doesn't really work that way. And there needs to be a plan. So in Asheville, like you could think every one of those things that I suggested, like it's an uphill battle because even socially for the people who live here, most of us know like five or six massage therapists in our friend group, you know? So most people know somebody already. And that's really like, if you want to cut to the chase, people go to the person that they know, trust and respect and, you know, like have the best like relationship with. And mm -hmm. so that's a lot of people just do that. Um, and the fact that most of the money comes from our visitors, which Asheville has maybe around 200,000 full-time residents, but like millions of visitors every year, but they're going through like the main, the main street, you know, and if you're not on main street, whether that's on the internet or that's, you know, with a downtown storefront, it's hard to get yourself out there because people will go to, um, you know, like the big spas because of the experience that's associated with that. And plus they have the most marketing dollars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when I got started, I had all these opportunities that I was like, this is it. I've got it. I'm locked in. I started my private practice in a, a shared room at a yoga studio with a health uh, restaurant downstairs. And they invited me to set up my massage chair whenever I wanted at the, at the organic vegan restaurant. So I could literally say, hey, I'm here at the restaurant. My studio is right upstairs. Let's do it. You would think that that's like the ticket right there. And then all I need to do is just hold that spot and it would happen for me. And what I come to find that even those really amazing opportunities, like in this city with so many wellness practitioners and wellness options and the economy being what it is, it just wasn't enough. So I kept doing all these things that you'd think like, okay, that's common sense. Like that's how you build a practice and finding them in this city to not be enough. I got in, uh, we have a, a grocery chain called Earth Fair in the Southeast that uh, they just actually went out of business. But the original one was here in Asheville. And so the health food store, again, an opportunity I got was very hard to get in there to set my massage chair up. I got very lucky with that. And I thought, this is it. I just have to come here. And, you know, that infamous question when it comes down, it's like, are you, do you want to book a session with me? Come check out my studio. I'd find that most of the time, even though people like me, they just wanted to come back next Wednesday and get another 10-minute chair massage from me. And nobody was <laughs> signing up to book sessions. So it's like, you know, I'm I'm in the most saturated market, like uh, maybe not in the U.S., but for this area of the Southeast. And I'm doing all these things and like, um, 
I'd go and put flyers out on a, like I'd go Thursday morning, I had my flyers out. And by the time I walked back from the other side of town, I'd go in and check the flyer boards and they were already covered up by more flyers. Like, you know, all these things that I was doing, you know, just never really worked out. We did a lot of weekend festivals down here. That's a huge thing. There's a great music scene. We got uh, locals and tourists coming out every Friday, Saturday and Sunday for art markets. And we would go out and set our massage chairs and tables up and I'd work my ass off for three days in a row doing tons of chair massage and table massage with the same thing happening. I was either running into tourists who weren't going to come back or locals who were like, yeah, that's great. But I'm, I know when you actually asked me to book a session, now's not the right time because people just received that work from you. They're not in need anymore. And like hitting that balance of like, actually getting somebody to like book a session with you. Um, I learned a lot about like, you know, basically, I don't, I don't know what we call it, uh, you know, the art of the deal. I hate using Trump talk, but like, you know, whatever it is, but I learned how like we're in this really unique position as therapists where we have to be like totally hands off to get people to like make their own choice to partake in our services rather than like be more aggressive, I guess. Um, and little by little, I started finding out things that I could do, you know, beyond just the referrals, incentivizing the referrals, um, maintaining the really good Google rating. Um, I paid a lot of money to things on the internet like Yelp. I did Google ads. I did all sorts of stuff, which like each of those things, it's almost like you're just throwing money at the wall and hoping it sticks. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff I see people getting caught up in or using God forbid, I don't know if you guys have Groupon in, in, in Canada, but uh, I have like like a vendetta against Groupon for how I've seen it destroy therapists and practices by just like undercutting the market and then nobody wants to pay for a full price session. Mm-hmm. There are all these factors that are like really making it difficult. Um, and I struggled with that for a long time. And, you know, we had some decent organic growth, but being our city is like you know, in the last 15 years, it has been discovered, right? So all the real estate's going up and it's really hard to get commercial space. When we had the opportunity to expand our studio, we weren't even at capacity yet, but we were like, we got to do this now. If we get this space, we can just get to capacity over the next few years. And so we were always kind of like playing catch up and trying to build. We had a little bit too much space that we needed and we were building up too slow. And then it was probably over last summer, you know, starting in May, I had done all these different courses and branding and marketing and social media this and email that, that I finally started to build the smorgasbord of all these different things I'd learned together. And I started launching really successful Facebook advertising campaigns. And it was like between August and December, um, we brought in like a thousand new clients into our studio. And I finally figured it out that like, you know, when you have these website, uh, the sales funnels and the social media all strategically connected in a way that like, it's like a 24 seven digital storefront. And so now no longer was I like putting myself out on the street, trying to meet as many people as I possibly could and say, Hey, do you want a massage? Hey, do you want a massage? And then being like, no, no, it's not the right time. Thank you. Thank you. No, 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 no. And then I realized that like, I just had to build something that would be there and show up in front of them when they were thinking about needing massages is when they're like on their phones and at the end of the night, you know, mm-hmm. on Facebook thinking, oh shit, my shoulders really hurt or my back hurts. And then they'd see our advertising and that's what would end up pulling them in. So, you know, I've, I've gotten a really great respect for, you know, all the digital side of this stuff. And I do think it's a huge step forward um, for all of us to start learning how to do it. Yeah. And that's the way people consume anything these days. Consumers are all online. Yep. Sometimes you don't even know that you're looking for something. You know, you're just scrolling through Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And these ads are coming up and then you start, you know, going from one link to the next to the next. This is how so- I purchase half the shit I own. Well, exactly. <laughs> you just you find things organically based on, you know, other things you're looking at. So yeah, if somebody wants, you know, research on exercise therapy or rehab or the shoulder condition or whatever it is, and then somehow they end up seeing you. And if you've got a really good digital presence, if you're online and you're posting quality content that people want to see, and it's of interest and you get in front of the right people, which is so easy online, then 
you're golden. You don't have to go give 10-minute massages to everybody. That's especially important with everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. Like if you had a practice before and it was successful, whether it was successful by accident, which I feel like a lot of massage therapy businesses are actually just successful by accident. Yeah, because people like massage. Exactly. There's no strategy in what you're doing. Yeah, you've got a good word of mouth thing going on because you got decent people skills and you got you got good manual skills and people come back to see you and 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 they and they rely on that they rely on that word of mouth but then when something like this happens when you can't do anything but then you have zero presence well what about all that relationship building that you did and now you're inactive for months and months and months you got to start way over versus someone who's had a digital presence mm-hmm. and is constantly feeding content to the viewership constantly growing their viewership giving their giving their audience and their patients and clients that engaging with them you know they're ahead of the game now like if you don't have digital marketing strategies if you don't have digital platforms even though this doesn't feel like a very digital kind of field right this is not a tech field but if you don't have that stuff you're you're gonna get blown out of the water really really fast Mm -hmm. and again you yes I'm not saying you can't be successful in this without all that stuff, but if you are thinking beyond just being a solo practitioner, you know what I mean? I have my my clinic and I'm, I'm the only practitioner in here. If you're thinking long-term and you're thinking growth and you're thinking a lot bigger success than what you can pull in as a therapist, well, you got to have these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, getting back to the like beginning of the conversation with like the body work. I mean, obviously it's about the body work and I don't ever want to like get outside of a spectrum where I'm focusing more on marketing than I am on my actual skill. But like, I've started to see like this perspective of like the microcosm and the macrocosm at the same time, because obviously like there's that, like a really amazing session is like super powerful and transformative. And there's opportunities in that to like establish this rapport and relationship with clients, which like from my perspective, it's like, that was my opportunity to like uh, like wiggle in a little bit of education and a little bit of empowerment and a little bit of like, you know, Hey, here's what you need to know about my perspective and what this is like for me, which I think is a huge thing that's missing in the industry right now. And there's all this like chaos around like the value perception that other people in the general population have about the value of what we do and why we're like, I don't know. I see a lot. Maybe things are different in Canada because you guys have more training and I know it's taken a little bit more seriously out there, but like America, the general population is stuck in the spa mentality, Hmm. the luxury mentality, and the lower the price is better because that's good value if I can save money mentality. And a lot of those things hold us all back. And, And I see the therapists then start to like adopt that instead of holding their value and being strong in that centered in it, they start going, oh, well, I've got to compete. So I've got to lower my prices. I've got to lower my prices. And then we're all just undercutting each other. And people are getting this, honestly, crappy experience from a burned out therapist, and they don't even know what they're missing. So I've started seeing like all this stuff as like, you know, the micro and the macrocosm is that like good, doing the good work and getting paid well to do the good work opens us up to start having those conversations with people about like, well, what is it that we do and how much does it take from us? Um, And, you know, I found that our clients actually really respected and valued what we did a lot more than, you know, we, we bounced off the the value chasers. We bounced off the discount chasers because we held our, we said, we're never going to go below this much in our practice. And if people are like, well, I got a better deal on Groupon. It's like, fine, go to your Groupon therapist. Unfortunately, like, you know, that also, even though I spared myself from it, it hits me with a little pang of sadness because I know there's a lot of people in my industry and in my community out here who are then taking that client because they think they have to, instead of us all together strongly saying, no, this is the value of what we do. We will not accept these kind of crazy discounts from a company in California that makes all of the money from our community. We're not going to take these practices at the big spas that are not really like, we have a lot of massage business owners in this city who are not also massage therapists and they're doing really messed up stuff that like we all should be like no we're not working here anymore but people need money and they they need to go to work so what are those messed up things that some of those non-massage therapist business owners are doing where you are oh man like well first of all i don't know like we have the 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 phraseology like churn and burn where it's like you know you're just a human machine 
Uh, one, of, mm. one of our therapists, uh, he has a really good term for it. He calls it flesh farming. It's like they just turn us into flesh farmers where we just are, you know, you have 50 minutes to do a treatment and you've got to upsell them during that. And then you've only got five minutes before that or your next one. It's not enough time for a thorough intake. It's not enough time to build a, a relationship of intimacy with people. Like it's just totally totally weird and it, it like dehumanizes us in a way and then that's the other side of it is that our studio in town has like kind of attracted the um the really amazing passionate massage like i don't want to say like vagrants but like the outcasts because we 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 took on a lot of people who just couldn't work other places because we had a higher amount of pride or whatever and uh, i a lot of people who got fired from other places which was like totally unjustified because of fears around liability or, or public perception, you know, and we really stuck up for our people. So if there was like kind of like a weird ethical interaction between the customer and the therapist, we actually would hear our therapists out where a lot of places around here would be like, oh, some sort of questionable thing. Someone's accusing you of this or they weren't happy with this thing that you did. And they would just cut the therapist right off, fire him on the spot. And, you know, a lot of it was, in my opinion, really unjustified. Um, and so that's kind of maybe unique to our city because it's the tourism thing um, and the money's just weird. It's like, it's not really, I guess you could say this about a lot of places, but it's not really going to the people who live here and do the hard work and really need it. It's going to people who have like, you know, moved here from out of state and set up a business and have a ton of money or something like that. Um, so there's, there's just a lot of things that like, you know, we, we were trying to really raise the bar and put the time in between the sessions to really get those relationships with our clients, make sure our therapists were not just being, you know, crushed through as many sessions as possible. And, um, you know, in general, educate and make the client base aware that like, look, there's all these different specialties and so-and-so is really amazing at this kind of work involving trauma if you need that. And this person really does the, I was the chronic injury guy and the neck and shoulder pain, you know, so we start like showing people that it's not just Swedish and deep tissue, or it's not just some luxury that you go to a spa and be pampered. These are really valuable life affirming skills that like you can experience a mind blowing personal transformation if you're at the right place in your journey and you work with the right person. And that's kind of like, that's what we all believe. We're like, we feel like superheroes, right? We're like massage magicians, you know, we're like, yes, transformation, pa, you know, like, you know, that was kind of our, our whole vibe. And Asheville's, you know, it's very hippie is like very like mystical and magical. You know, you got a lot of wizards roaming around for lack of a better word. So, <laughs> you know, we kind of hyped that up a little bit and it was like, um, our studio was 12 and a half wall street and we always made the Harry Potter joke, right? Platform nine and three quarters. It was like, come up the stairs into this hole in the wall that you don't even know exists. And we had a beautiful treatment room up there that you wouldn't even know existed. So it's kind of like this little hidden gem. And then people would come in and have these really badass sections with really like amazing advanced practitioners that are combining all these different modalities together into this just like beautiful art of body work. And then they'd go out, you know, with their massage brain and feeling totally zoned out and in bliss and then wander back out into the street and like go do their thing in town. Wow. I have, <laughs> I have like so many different images in my mind. I do think that part of what you were saying regarding, you know, the discounting and the Groupon and, you know, devaluing therapists, I think part of that is, um, location specific. And I think some of it might be because it is more of a tourist town. I mean, okay. It exists everywhere. I think you have to look at this from, uh, I'm just going to, I don't, I don't necessarily think this. I don't even know if I think it, I don't even know if I mean what I'm going to say. I don't even know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say something. I feel like though, even though we're kind of saying, okay, you know, massage chain, I don't know the massage chains in the States, massage envy and places like that. Right. And, uh, and spas, larger spas or larger chains or all the rest of it. And how, you know, it might not be the best work environment or it might not allow a therapist to really do what they want to do as a therapist. But I think, and again, I fucking know, I don't own anything, but as an industry, I feel like all the other sole proprietors, all the other massage entrepreneurs, they kind of owe a little bit 
to those types of companies. In other words, well, maybe because Massage Envy has the has the ability and the funding to do things like advertise that you and I can't do at that scale on that level or a certain spa chain or whatever the case is, they give the information to the general public to say, we do body work, we do massage. It is not just luxury or whatever the case is, or it's not just for someone who's got a lot of money. It is affordable. In other words, they've done a lot of the advertising to the general public that says massage is actually a thing that most people can get and get benefit from. So I think we should not so quickly shoot those guys down just because that business model is not necessarily something that we subscribe to, but they've done a huge legwork for the most part, for lack of a better way to say it, educating the general public on this industry that exists. There's also an opportunity when it comes to the chains and stuff. I I mean, I, I don't know about where you are if they're you know really cutting the price down but where we are i don't think they cut the price down that they much used they, they used anymore. to when they when um some of these places first came to canada they were a lot um less expensive than coming to see somebody in private practice like myself and i know initially i thought wow like really devaluing what therapists do but actually it ended up being a positive for me because then i had my clients who knew what i did who had been seeing me who really saw the value in what i did then they were wondering, well, why is it so much cheaper there? And of course, there's always going to be the subset of people that are looking for the best deal that are, and they're going to go. Exactly like you said, but they will see the difference in the quality of care yeah. that they it's, get. It's almost like you're going to a nice restaurant and they give you this menu and on this menu you see this like $60 steak and you see this $30 chicken which well, I don't know where the fuck you're getting chicken for. Why are you buying $30 chicken? Right? But when you compare that to the $60 steak, you know what I mean? Like that the restaurant is actually intending for no one to fucking buy but they're using that to frame the price of other items that they actually want to sell. Right. So we can almost use Use the massage chains and the discounters to help us in that regard to so we can use that as a marketing tool to be like okay well there is a value system that comes with the price that you pay and if you want to pay a lower price well then expect a certain type of value and that's why you're coming here or that's why what this is what it costs to come here and and uh, sit in my room and uh, let me do some stuff with my hands that's because so i'm a wizard <laughs> that's definitely a, a good point it's like a juxtaposition the position and yeah. I, I just you know i find myself on the other side of that of like really wanting more for everybody and maybe i've got to detach from that a little bit and see the bigger picture and you're absolutely right because you know without that there's not um there's no difference you know you have to have the black and white the duality of it to like have the perception of well this is more and this is less and yeah exactly that like people people who know it will see it and i, I think the reason that i um i focus on that is probably because you know, like in our own professional journeys, we've got to set our own boundaries and decide like, what are we willing to do and not do? And I and I just do see a lot of people who want to really make it in private practice who will like, I mean, at, at some point, you know, it's like you start off, maybe you do out calls. And then at a certain point, you're like, man, this isn't worth it. I've got to get my own space. And so, you know, there's those times where you're like, I need money, but I don't want to do this for the money anymore. Like mm-hmm. I want to do this instead. This is where I want to hold my boundaries. And that's everybody's individual journey. I just hate to see people get stuck doing things that they, you know, don't want to do if they if they're capable of more, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Sometimes I guess you just got to eat shit though to get where you want to go. So what do you think the biggest the biggest challenge with with massage therapists are? Say like a solo practitioner trying to build their business. Like what is the biggest challenge that you think they have? And then maybe give us some usable tools for that particular person on how they can help build themselves up. Yeah, I I really do think it comes down to like the the very left brain, you know, structured business stuff, you know, and that that translates into a lot of things like scheduling time to do your marketing, scheduling time to do your financials. There's a lot of us are attracted to this field because of the artistry and because of the intimacy and because we feel good about doing it. And we want to just be in that space all the time. Um, But myself included, I have had a very hard time this past few years being forced by the situation I got myself into to learn how to do, to give myself structure instead of just like, be free and then have things collapse around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like getting, getting clients, putting effort into marketing so that, you know, it's not like um, an ebb and flow of the season. Sometimes you're doing really great and you've got more clients than you need. 
other times, you know, whether that's a seasonal thing or just for whatever factor, you know, clients will come and go over the years. And like you said, like just having no plan and leaving it on autopilot is a really big stumbling block for people's growth. So with creating a plan that you can, you know, whether you're in a small town where you can be successful, just going out, setting your massage chair up, hanging the flyers, doing the networking meetings, or you're in a large city where you've really got to be way more strategic than it, um, doing all of those same things, but tracking the information, tracking the data and, you know, uh, spreadsheets, man, spreadsheets are really great and necessary for massage people. If you're not using spreadsheets to keep track of just your money in and your money out or the time you spend, um, you know, for the marketing, it's really important. So, you know, I've been telling people in my coaching calls, like whether, you know, whether you're in an area where these like, you know, hit the ground and get yourself out there, techniques are going to work. Keep track of it. I was at this place for this many hours. Here are all the people I met, you know, getting phone numbers and emails from people, having an incentive to say, you know what, here, if you give me that information, I'm going to give you a little something for free. And and a little spreadsheet that says, I met this person on this day. I called them to follow up to see if they wanted to book their session a few days later. Um, you know, touching in with all these people that we're networking with, whether that's other local businesses who you're in a referral partnership with, like like systematizing the relationship building so that you are on top of it at all times. And you can look at your your little spreadsheet and say, oh, man, it's been a while since I checked in with, you know, Betty at the coffee shop, I should go see if she's doing all right and see if I need to put more flyers or more coupons out there. Um, you know, having some sort of like system that you go, okay, what I'm doing is actually working mm-hmm. and I can repeat this again and again as needed so that you can see, okay, my clients this month, you know, maybe I had five or six less uh, this week than I normally would. And that's a pattern that I'm noticing over the past couple of weeks. I better put some extra effort into getting some more clients or touching in with my old clients, um, you know, to bring in those extra sessions. So looking at it in a really structured way mm-hmm. of saying, you know, I've got space on my schedule. What can I do in this place to fill that up? And and rather than just leave it to autopilot. This is why I, I, massage therapy is so weird because at the end of the day, if you're a solo practitioner or you run you run the business and you're the massage therapist, you're you're trading hours for dollars. And every time that you're not seeing somebody is time you're not making money. But we also know that you if you want your business to grow, you gotta work on your business and not in your business. But as a solo practitioner, it's impossible to not spend, you know, a large amount of time working in your business. Do you think that a massage therapist that is self-aware enough that recognizes that they don't have the business sense and the business sense coming down to the numbers, the business sense coming down to marketing, marketing ideas, marketing initiatives, making those types of things happen, making conversions happen, doing the analytics on the return on the investment for all these types of things. Do you think it's a good idea that they score a business partner and let that business partner worry about working on the business and let the massage therapist kind of do a 50-50? I'm going to work on the business and I'm going to work in the business. Because really most massage therapists want to work in the business business and they just feel like it's a better idea for whatever reason or maybe they don't but they 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 feel compelled to go out on their own and maybe they need some help maybe they're just not meant to do the business side of things yeah i mean that that's kind of was my wake-up call during this whole experience and and i'm really actually grateful for the whole coronavirus covid stuff because it's allowed me this opportunity to really like you know kind of get a blank slate and, and analyze what was working and what wasn't So like, you know, we have this whole idea of the guild, right? Professionals working together and, you know, building together side by side. But then when we looked at it, you know, it was like every time that we wanted to have our like broader community minded stuff, we realized, well, shoot, it was the two of us who put out all the financing and making the business stuff grow. So we'll have to hold off on that and treat this more like a massage studio for the time being. And, you know, I've, I think this is like the catch 22 of my whole, like, yes, I want to empower people and do more is that when we're in the business relationship with each other, you know, that can be a really slippery slope of like my own expectations of them. And you're absolutely right. There's, and I'm coming to realize this too. A lot of people just don't want to be self-employed too. It's just too much. It's too many variables, too much, you know, outside of their skill set. And, um, you know, that was kind of one of the things over time that I had to start letting go of, for my own benefit as well. Um, Cause I had this mindset of like, okay, well, 
we'll be like the Avengers, right? You know, you'll be Iron Man and you can be the Hulk and cetera. We'll, we'll all do our own superhero thing with our own marketing and our own Instagram pages. And then we'll do, you know, the, the group mashup, right? We'll, we'll go at it together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And over time, I realized that like, you know, like 90%, and maybe not 90%. I've, I've got a small base. We have like 12 therapists. I can't really say that as a whole for the entire industry. But I, I would say, you know, we had a few people who were ride or die. Let's do this. I see the benefit and the risk versus the reward of doing the stuff myself. That means more money for me. That means more growth for me. But then on the other side of it, there's a lot of people who are just like, man, I don't want the headache. I don't want to have to think about this when I go home. Mm-hmm. And you guys look like you're on this all the time, 24 seven, and you don't ever catch a break from that. And that seems exhausting. Um, and, and it is, it's really difficult at times to, especially when you're working in the business and on the business. Right. For me, I had to create a delineation where I stopped doing as much body work so that I could stay in business mode more. So I would drop down to two or three days a week in the studio and do the rest of the days, uh, working on the business because it's like switching back and forth moment to moment from having the fast paced, young energy, like hustle, entrepreneurial spirit, and then switch the switch over to, okay, now I'm coming into my centered Zen phase and I'm completely at peace so I can totally hold space and be present for you. That is like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, kind of like crazy schizophrenia stuff. (laughs) It's like sometimes feels like, like, and that was my daily experience would be like, okay, I have three sessions today and I've got two hours in the middle to get some business stuff done. And I, I had to, out of necessity, take those clients so that I could continue to pay my way forward. And, um, yeah, it, it is a challenge and I've grown a lot from it, but I will also say that I have realized not everybody is ready for that. And so business partners, coaches, or collaboratives, mm-hmm. uh, any sort of collective thing, making those agreements so that somebody can help you um, learn how to either do that stuff easily or someone who doesn't mind doing it for you. And, um, you know, that's, I think, also a call to the studio owners out there and the people who have the business ambitions to, you know, to just be better to the therapists in in that exchange and, and not have the whole like burnout because that's how we make more money by, you know, forcing our therapists to do more, seeing it more of a two-way street and like being uh, in a mindset of collaboration rather than this is my business, you work here, do this thing or go, you know? I think a lot of people that are in business on their own, like you said, they, they might not even like it. They might not even want to do it. And they just feel like, I don't know, like when someone else came on our podcast before and we were talking about entrepreneurship and he, he was saying like it was kind of like taught to him in school like that is how you know you've made it when you have your own clinic and it's a brick and mortar place and you're the therapist there your own boss and all the rest of it but at the end of the day if you don't enjoy the process then it's not for you you have to enjoy the process and the process is going to be the eating the shit the process is going to be all the crappy late night stuff that you do never really having the the work life balance and if that that's what turns your crank then 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 being an entrepreneur is really for you and if anything i just said makes you cringe and it's like you 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 dread that idea mm, you you need to do something you need to go work for somebody or you need someone to take over the business side of everything yeah it's perfectly acceptable to want to be the therapist that just walks in, treats their clients and goes home. You don't think that there's a whole bunch of therapists that walk in, treat their clients and go home and don't work in their own place and work for somebody else's loving life, not loving life right now, but is not envious of the clinic owner who's just trying to make ends meet to keep the doors open. Exactly. Being a clinic owner right now is not a position a lot of people want to be in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So much liability, so much stress, so much like all hands on deck. You know, how can we keep the the boat afloat? You know, yeah, it takes a lot to be in a position of leadership and I think that's why like I'm I'm really excited where I'm at right now and and I I have plans to reopen our studio you know I don't I'm I'm choosing to pull out for now and then really find the best most strategic time to Mm -hmm. reopen and bring everything back and fix all the problems that I was having before but where I'm at right now it's been really great because I'm choosing to like focus really just on the marketing aspect and whether you know somebody wants to do small-time practice 
or has bigger aspirations and eventually wants to open a clinic in a studio. It's like figuring out all of this social media and sales funnels and landing pages and all these things that help automate that side of it mm-hmm. has really been like a night or day thing for me. I mean, you know, if somebody was on their own, you don't need to bring in a thousand new clients, you know, like 10 or 15 would be like an amazing jump from where you were before. And so that's where I found like a lot of like, my bliss again, because I'm like really seeing myself helping other therapists and they're seeing the aha moment. This is how all this stuff works. And regardless of like, you know, all the unknowns right now, of like, when am I going to open? What's going to happen? Uh, what are the regulations that are going to change in the sanitation and all that? At the end of the day, if any of us are moving forward, we need the ability to get clients for a massage practice. And if I can give people that one piece of it, and have it make sense for them, like win-win. Like I'm feeling super good about like sharing that piece with people, helping them understand it and like actually get it and then watching them actually take it and run with it. And it's just been like a really beautiful feeling because I've got to step back from all the micromanaging and running a team and having to like, you know, (laughs) we have like the expression that like a massage therapy, like being a, a, like, like managing massage therapists is like herding cats. You know, it's like, we all want to chill really hard after we put our heart and soul into working on bodies. So it's like, oh man, so-and-so's phone is off today. They must just be like out in the woods, like not answering. Oh, well, like, you know, we're all like, we, we disappear. You really are from a hippie town. <laughs> well, this is how much massage this dude therapists is, leave yeah. work and go hang out in this the woods. This is how just much cause. this dude is in a hippie town. And I want to ask you about this. You're living in your girlfriend's driveway in a, in your van. My question is, why aren't you just living in your girlfriend's place? <laughs> That's my well, first yeah. question. So, and then my second question to that is, what kind of van are we talking about? Are we talking about like a Chevy uh, conversion van? Do you know what I mean? Is it is it like an A-team van? Is it is it a minivan? What are, <laughs> is it a school bus? What are we living in? My life was parked in the driveway. All my stuff was parked in the driveway. I was definitely inside, but like, you know, not <laughs> with the place of my own um you know saving that money on rent and it, it was a 94 dodge ram van that was like half converted uh, so gotcha. i got sick of that pretty quick because i couldn't even find my toothbrush half the time or where <laughs> anything i put in there so you know you cannot have a grounded practical productive life in that situation for very long but i did it to get started and it was really helpful to take all that money i would have spent on rent yeah, and yeah, put yeah. it into what we were doing and so. on top of the the hippie stuff do you <laughs> mind do you mind telling everybody about your your cell phone choices <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have a flip phone, but it's, it's not, it's not for a hippie reason. It's just because I was going crazy with the smartphone because, you know, as a business person and, and having all of the various bells and whistles of the phone, the booking system, the emails, the financial stuff, I was just getting sucked in too much. And I needed to get the ability to, what, what I ended up doing was I got a tablet and I got a flip phone. Mm. So that way the flip, the tablet cannot fit in my pocket when I need to go to the grocery store or, you know, something for self-care and relaxation time. The flip phone goes everywhere. It just doesn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is probably a good time. I know there's a lot of business coaches in the States. We've had a few on the podcast. It seems to be a pretty big business where you are, but all of you are so drastically different in the way you think and the type of clientele that you would attract. So anyone who's listening that feels like the stuff you're saying really jives with them, how would they get in touch with you, Daniel? Yeah, I'm I'm super accessible on Facebook. You just look for my name, Daniel James Wicker. Um, I'm on Facebook. uh, the website I'm working off right now is getmassageclients.net. Um, it's not super accessible in terms of like emailing me or anything like that. Um, but if you look for my name on Facebook, that is probably the best way. I'm doing a lot of networking there right now, and it's been super cool. Uh, I've been I've I've had calls with uh, massage therapists from Greece. I've got somebody from Portugal soon. So I'm, I'm really putting everything that I'm talking about into practice for this new venture. And I've been networking with massage therapists like all over the place. You guys, it's been really cool. Sounds like you're enjoying your COVID pause. Because he loves the process. He's meant to do this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, even the fact that you were willing to live out of a van to funnel all of your money into your business, I can tell you there's a lot of people that would say, fuck that. I'm going to get a job because I need to have a comfortable life. And as Mark said, when you have the, the entrepreneurial mind, you are sort of okay with his famous words, eating shit for a little bit, living in a van, whatever it is you have to when do. When you live in a van, you can't find your toothbrush out. Like you're eating, eating shit. shit. <laughs> 
but and this he was okay is, with I will it. I I realized afterwards that, that that sounds terrible, but I, I will assure you that I am a clean and sanitary <laughs> professional when I go into the treatment room. I don't know, you're a hippie you that runs it, into the woods. I don't it know. It didn't sound terrible to me. I'm I'm like a jaded hippie. I, I'm like I'm like an ex hippie who's like been like grizzled on the front lines of like start starting my own business. <laughs> don't worry, I'm with you. I'm wearing tie dye right now and I often I've said on the podcast a few times, I'm like a scientific hippie. Like I really appreciate science yeah. and science is the backbone of everything I do, but I also have space for, you know, I, I enjoy people who do uh, Reiki and use crystals and, you know, tell me all about my sun signs. I'm, I'm into all that too. It's all great. I don't think there's anything that's too woo-woo for me. I How don't many know. pairs of Birkenstocks do you have? I only, I only have one <laughs> pair. Thank you. <laughs> How many trees did you hug today? <laughs> I have not hugged any trees today. <laughs> Are your armpits hairy? Or... No, I'm just kidding. Now, no, oh, stop, now stop, we're just getting a little stop, too personal. But you know stop. what? For everyone listening, no, they're not. Because before all of this COVID shit, I did laser hair removal. I am smooth. Well, I'm happy to hear that I'm hanging out with uh, some hygienic people today. That's always good. To awesome. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap this up, Daniel? Um, I just I just really want to encourage to any of the massage therapists that are out there, like, just, like please don't give up on your practice. I mean, I, I totally respect everyone's decision, whether that's to close down for an extended period of time, waiting, you know, potentially 12 months or more as well. Like that, that to me is like, that's the worst case scenario that I've heard massage groups and people online say, but, um, you know, like I, I just see this, this opportunity as like, there's so much value in the time that we have here. And like, you know, we're, we're all struggling. We're all out of work. You know, I understand it's definitely a little bit hard sometimes to like take the plunge into entrepreneurship and like take the risks of not knowing what's going to come next. But, um, there's time. I I've started this brand new business in about four or five weeks and like amazing things are happening. I'm talking to you guys. I'm working with Melinda Lou. So like if you start setting the ground and putting your intentions for what you do want to see on the other side of this, whether that's getting right back to work, whether that's waiting a few more weeks, whether that's months or a year, like don't give up on your practice. People need us and, you know, take this time to focus on polishing up those other skills that will help you to be successful, um, whether that's additional training or going back to school or, or getting a business coach or learning uh, some marketing stuff. Like this is an incredible time to like utilize the free time and like hit the ground running when, when it's time to go. So awesome. That was incredibly motivational. Very positive. I like your attitude, Daniel. It's been nice chatting this afternoon. Anything else you want to ask him, Mark? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm pretty good over here. I got, I got my questions answered and mine was the van one from way back at the beginning. <laughs> he was just waiting <laughs> to talk about the van. <laughs> how, how hard, like, I don't have the best memory in the world, short term memory. And I, I banked that so hard. Is that the note you wrote down? Did you write down no, van write on that, that piece down. of paper? Okay. <laughs> but I was, I was expending a lot of energy trying to remember that the whole time. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. This has been really fun. And I'm, I'm happy that you're taking this time to do stuff and meeting other therapists online. And thanks for reaching out to us because this was great yeah this was fun guys i really appreciate it i look forward to to getting into the the other episodes that i haven't listened to yet and just following you guys more closely so thanks right on you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace <laughs>